Allison and Zach were practicing, what was it, Thursday this week? I don't remember. Earlier in the week, was it Thursday? Uh, Zach remembers the schedule. They said, you're going to be back in Mark this week, right? I said, nope. He said, well, where are you going to be, Philemon? And I'm, this is the look Zach gave me. It, it was. It was It was very, uh, very apropos there. Man, they work hard. And... Um, uh, it was a bless. It is a blessing to worship each week under their leadership. And uh, Greg and and the Bicota crew do a great job too. We are just blessed in our church family to uh, to have so many people who are are so capable. And um, and you know it's it's a it's a project to get everything put together every week. Whether it's the online stuff, whether it's on stage, whether you guys is teaching and coming to Bible study classes. Um, God is good, God is faithful, and he's been good to our church, and so I'm thankful to serve there. But yeah, I mentioned last week as we looked a little bit at uh, God's message of reconciliation, that we find the ambassadors he calls us to be. Um, we, I, I referenced a verse in, in the letter to Philemon, and it's not really that easy a name to say, and honestly, sometimes I wonder whether we're saying it right. I speak English, I've always heard it as Philemon. Uh, if if I'm saying it wrong, I've heard it Philemon. I've heard anyway. You know, it's it's not a name we use today often. And I have a feeling that if we had that name today, we'd probably call the guy Phil. Um. Anyway, uh, this is a a fascinating little letter. And and if you know me, and even at this time last year, a little earlier, um, I did a series called the Short Ones, which are all the ver- the the books right before Revelation, first, second, and third John. And Jude, I did a, a series on those and called them the short ones. I like these little short letters. And, and honestly, they're in the scriptures for a reason. They're here to teach us about the nature and the love of Christ. And most of Paul's letters, and, and in the study I've, I've done this week, I've, I've read it and I've heard it said over and over, most of Paul's letters are very heavy doctrinally. You know, you, you find out about who Jesus is, how he fulfilled his, his promises, and, and all the natures of God in Christ. And, and you, you know, we, I talked with, with somebody this morning about Romans. You know, you go through Romans, you get 16 chapters of <sighs> heavy stuff. Now, if you want the cliff notes, read the book of Galatians. Galatians is considered kind of a rough draft there. But you get into all of these different books that Paul wrote to churches that dealt maybe with problems that existed, but ultimately we're dealing with what we believe about Jesus and who Jesus is. And then you get this picture of Paul the person and a personal letter, and this is really the only really personal letter we have from the record of Paul in the New Testament. We do see he wrote Titus and he wrote Timothy in the pages previous to this, but they were very pastoral in nature. He was instructing younger pastors in how to organize and how to, to, to see the, 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 uh, the church structured and, and those kinds of things. Philemon is a very personal letter, and we can't help but wonder if he wrote more letters like this. He wrote a lot of stuff, right? It's not like we have his emails, right? You know, you can just go back through his Gmail account and search out, you know, Paul's letter to Ralph, um, Knock it off, Ralph, right? No, that's not what we got. Um, What we have, though, here is 
one of the few records, and, and the only one we have in Scripture for sure, of a, a very personal letter from Paul to a friend. And there's some interesting context around it, and it, and it addresses an issue that is controversial. But it's also not exactly what this letter is about. He talks about slavery here, because one of the characters in this was a, uh, a, a slave that had run away from his master. But he doesn't directly deal with that picture of slavery. And many of us in, in 21st century America especially, and even beyond that, would say, why didn't Paul attack that? Well, slavery was a different kind of issue in Paul's day than it is today. Today, we, we reference slavery as what caused the Civil War, right? And rightfully so. I mean, the, there was a reason that the Civil War happened, and, and that injustice was, was taken, uh, taken over. And, you know, we don't have that kind of slavery in our nation anymore, thankfully. We are still slaves to sin. That's a different, different issue altogether, and it's the ultimate issue. But here in this day, and we're going to read through the whole letter today because, like I said, it's so long. We talk about a guy who was a slave that, a slave that ran away from his master. Slavery in this day was used actually as part of a, a retribution for a family debt or uh, something that the slave chose. And we don't know Onesimus's, and that's the guy's name, Onesimus. Uh, we don't know his circumstances and why he was enslaved in the first place. But most of the time, slaves were to be freed every seven years, as that would be the fulfillment of the debt that they owed. In this case, don't know why, but we do know that the crime Onesimus committed in the Roman Empire was bad. Because you, uh, you were enslaved for a reason it wasn't just because of a racial issue or something like that it was a financial issue it was a economic issue and and this guy he he was gone and we're going to talk about that because uh next week we will visit the real issue that paul has for this guy onesimus we're going to read the whole letter today you can get mad at me about not talking about that issue today but come back next week or tune in next week we'll talk about Onesimus more, but we're going to read the whole letter today, so I invite you to stand as we go through all 20-some verses of Paul's letter to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our, fellow, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the heart of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, although I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. 
I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Lord, you are so good to us, and I thank you for this little letter. I pray that we experience your grace in this moment, being reminded of your faithfulness even in times that we don't understand everything going on. Give us your... Uh, your mercies today to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of you who have said, I've never even read a whole book of the Bible. Today, you can no longer say that. One page and about five lines in my Bible. We're going to look today at verses 1 through 7. Where was Paul in this? Well, Philemon is considered actually to be one of Paul's prison letters. During his imprisonment in Rome, he wrote three of the uh, Galatians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Three out of four of those letters. I think Ephesians is the one that's excluded in that. And then this letter are considered to be written as part of Paul's imprisonment. And he mentions it several times. And he's not there by himself. Can you imagine if a friend of yours got arrested how do you feel about that situation? Probably wouldn't be hanging out at the jail. Just a guess. Even without COVID-19 protocols, or they might send you home. But chances are you're not going to be in the jail cell with your friend because he's been arrested, no matter what the, the thing is, what, what the source is. But Paul mentions several people at the end, but specifically he mentions here his uh, affiliation with Timothy, his brother. And Timothy appears, we know, throughout the New Testament. And it, Paul writes him as a pastor in, in Ephesus. And, and so Timothy is an important character in this as well. But what we really get a picture of here, and that's one of the reasons I want to re read the whole letter in starting this out, is the personal friendship of Paul and Philemon. There was a connection there. Philemon likely lived in Colossae. Because he, in his, uh, actually Onesimus is mentioned again in the book, in the letter to Colossians, okay, to the church in Colossae. And uh, these characters show up throughout the New Testament. And that's where we get the context of 
who Philemon is and why this was written. He was obviously a well-to-do individual, but he was also a leader in his own church. And something bad had happened. But along the way, we're going to get to that next time, the bad stuff. We're going to come and how Paul values Philemon and why he values him. Because really that applies to us today in all of the challenges and all that we face in our world as we go from this place. Why does the church matter? Why does showing up on Sunday morning make a difference the rest of the week? Is it something that you check off your list and say, oh, I did that, now God's not going to be mad at me because I checked in? Well, no. Because really, if, if we go back into our, our, our salvation, if we've received Christ as Savior, it, do, it doesn't matter one way or the other. That act is, is, a, is a one-time thing. But the fact is that we gather together in order that we might fulfill a purpose as his body. That's why going to church matters. Because the church is the body of Christ. And if you are gathering together, you're building one another up. In, in his letter to the Corinthians, he talks about all the different body parts and how ridiculous it would be that a foot could, could exist without the eye. How many of you have tried to walk around in the dark? Now, we did a lot of work in our house this week, and there were a lot of things, and there still are some things that aren't in the place they're supposed to be. And guess how we found them? Some of those things, literally, I stubbed my toe on. I, last night, I was looking for something, and I was like, where did I put that? It's just supposed to be back in this certain place. And then I went into a completely different room, and actually I was throwing something away, and I kicked it. And I was, that was with the light on. Okay, But without each other, we're going to miss something. That is one of the primary reasons that we gather as the church, is that we would have a, a, a corporate understanding of the gospel and how each one of us fits into God's plan. Because again, you have different contacts in this community than I do. You know more people corporately than I will ever know individually. And so together we can go forward with a purpose. And that's really what Paul addresses here in these first few verses. He says to Philemon, our fellow beloved fellow worker, Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church in your house. Remember, they didn't have this beautiful facility that we meet in today. The church was in its infancy, and where they met were homes. And likely Philemon's home was in the city of Colossae in, in Asia Minor important uh, crossroads kind of city. It was an important place. And Philemon was a leader in his community and ultimately a leader in his church. And the church met in his home. And these individuals are also mentioned in other places. People that Paul knew and he loved. And the, and the, the greeting is a common one that is very similar to most of Paul's other letters. is grace to you and peace. Where and who is the ultimate source of our peace. God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We only have peace because of what Christ has done for us 
and his sacrifice. And so the peace that Paul speaks of here is a corporate peace that we can receive together when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, his crucifixion and his resurrection and ascension and the belief that his return is imminent. It's that hope of who Jesus is. We find our peace in him. So if you have a hard message for somebody, what might you do? If you love that person, you might put a little icing on the start of it. Right? Sometimes you got to drink a little, uh, little juice with the medicine. Right? To make it taste a little better. This is what we have here right now in verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. This reflects Philippians chapter 3 when he writes the church there. Some of my favorite verses and ones that I'll often include in correspondence as I think of my friends and those whom I love in Christ. The co-laborers matter. We are here to encourage one another in whatever way we can. Sometimes that's in correction. When we see sin, God calls us to be accountable to one another and say, knock it off. That's not bringing glory to Jesus Christ. But here, Paul prepares Philemon for the challenge that's in by reminding him of the call that they share together. Here, Philemon is faithful to this call because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Who are all the saints? Who is this salvation for? One of the the verses that's, and I'll I'll bring it back up next week, but I want us to go to a couple pages back, maybe more than a couple at this point, but Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Who is the church? The church is anyone who has placed their faith in the eternal God through his son, Jesus Christ. And verse 28 shows that it is not exclusive. It is inclusive to all peoples. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. What is that promise? It goes all the way back to the Old Testament, Genesis. God promises Abraham that his descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. God's promise draws us back to his hope of salvation and that promise of that covenant that is that God's gift through us ultimately in Jesus Christ. Jesus, that one person, that one man who claimed he is God, who proved it through his resurrection, He is the one who brings us together. And now Philemon is a co-laborer with Paul in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. All of this theology that we find in Paul's letters works out in a very practical way here. Because he reminds his friend, and he's reminding you and me, that we are here for a reason. We are here to proclaim the healing power of Jesus Christ for our sin. 
I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and for all the saints. And I pray that sharing of the, the sharing of your faith may become effective for the knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, many people would just take that last part and say, all good things come from God. Is that true? Yes. But I point you to someone named Job. Remember the suffering that he endured? The struggle that he faced? He lost all of his family. He lost all of his possessions in a matter of minutes. And he maintained his faith in the Lord. Who are we to say that we would receive only good from the Lord, but also the hardships that draw us closer to him? The good things that God brings us come for a purpose. Yes, he is the giver of all good things. But why? Go back to the beginning of that verse. For the sharing of your faith to be effective. We need to be reminded, I think, along the way, that the hardships, the trials that we face, they can be good. Think again of the picture of a smelter. What do you do in a smelter? You dump all the ore, and you heat it up, and the dross floats to the top. They skim it off, and what do you have? You have what you want whether it's gold or silver or iron, as it may be here in in Pueblo, whatever that may be. But it's a trial that brings that purity. And I see so many believers, you can tell a real believer when they face these trials and these, these things because they come through it with a stronger faith in the Lord and a reminder of His presence along the way. And just like Job, who refused to blame God, they bring glory to God through that trial. You bring glory to God through that trial. The ultimate relationship that is of of the greatest importance in our lives is, is is, is primary over what we end up seeing as primary. We see our relationships to one another as the most important thing. That's the way we behave. If we offended somebody, we want to make it right. But the ultimate problem is is that we have offended God. And He wants us to be right with Him. And when we are right with Him, He makes us right with one another. Now, sometimes with the world, it puts us at odds with the world. Hence why Paul was in prison. Paul wasn't in prison just because he looked funny. Although there are theories about that. He was kind of a strange-looking fellow. And that he had seeing problems, so he actually did look. Never mind. All right. I'm going to take a drink of water here. Some of you got that. The rest of you, congratulations. Get it. What we find is that God calls us to look to him in all circumstances, whatever the trial, whatever the struggle. So this icing that Paul puts on, on the cake that he's, he's writing ultimately in verses 8 through the end, is to remind Philemon that we are here for a reason. And the reason is this is in the New Testament is that you and I, at times, are going to have problems with each other. Shocker of shocks. 
but why are we here? Are we here to get our own way? And I say that to myself too. Or are we here to show our trust in Christ? Jesus is the great reconciler. He brings us back and returns us to Him. My prayer for us here is that we could say about one another what Paul says to Philemon in verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Now, he reminds Philemon of their love for one another and their love in Christ because he's on the verge, as we know, because we just read it a few moments ago, of confronting a problem, confronting a big problem. But here we find Paul's priority was the proclamation of the gospel. Church, whatever challenge, whatever trial we face, we must always keep our eyes on Jesus and receive his calling to go forward and proclaim his name. We're not going to agree about every little detail. Some of you love the color blue. I love blue. And there's a lot of blue in this room. But somebody walked in this room and said, why isn't the carpet gray? Or whatever. It can get that petty, though. Ultimately, what matters is that we are obedient to God and his call in Matthew chapter 28 to go into the nations and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit until his return. That is our call and that is our task. And no matter our conflict with one another, let's come to terms with the fact that God has called us to a purpose. Now, I'd, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really attacking any particular issue in our church right now. What I'm really attacking, although I'm about to attack my son for dropping that golf ball over there. <sighs> I'm not talking about any particular problem in our church. Guys, we don't have to try to get mad at each other. <laughs> Am I right? It doesn't take much. We need to get past petty things and remember the gospel. <laughs> That's why we're here. And, 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 and I'm going to say this again. We're not really going after any particular one thing here. It's just reminding us not to get caught up in problems, but to remember. To, to gather together with purpose. God is faithful, and he calls us to radical obedience and proclaiming his good news. And as we've talked about already this morning, this world is so broken, it needs the love of Christ. And guess who God gave that? He calls us to go forward from there. 
So be encouraged. And next week, we'll, we'll look at this problem and we'll see the plea that Paul offers to his friend. So I ask you today, do you know the giver of all good things? Have you placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? If you have, he calls you to a point of obedience. And we talked about this last week, we'll talk about it again coming up. But he calls us to an act called baptism. As we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he calls us to do something that to the world seems ridiculous. But what that gift shows us is what Jesus has done for us. There's nothing in water that can save us. It's only by faith we are saved, by God's grace. But he calls us to obedience, to trust him. Is he calling you to trust him today? Only you can answer that. What is he calling you to do? Obey our Lord because of his gift for us. But because of the great love he's shown us in Jesus Christ. God, you are faithful. You are good, and even in our sin, you hold us close as we place our trust in you. I pray that you would be with each heart here in this moment, that they, we would examine our own lives as, as Paul calls Philemon to examine his, that we would live in a way that blesses you. Help us bring healing and resolution to the conflicts of this life so that we might see people place their faith in you through our testimony of what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Give us grace, Lord. Help us to bless you. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together for a time of invitation. Altar.